Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Couch Podcast. We're coming rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, yet another really big Wildcat victory, officially sealing it to where last year's Big 12 championship schools have scored a combined three points against us. <laughs> I will allow it. Yeah. K-State ended up beating the brakes off of Baylor down in Waco, 31-3. And this is the second time in a row that we've taken a loss to a Texas school and made it someone else's problem. (laughs) We very much made the Texas loss Baylor's problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we clearly were playing with, it was, I would call it a, a controlled anger. We were very upset about how the game went last week, and we definitely were playing to make a statement, but we weren't out of control, and I think that was the impressive part, which, granted, this year, Kleiman has shown an absolutely unbelievable ability to rally the team after a tough loss. Yeah. Like that, It's been, it's probably been his best coaching trait this year, is his ability to refocus the uh, team after a, a crushing loss. Yeah, which is... You know, it's a great thing to have as a coach. You know, if, you, if you're if you not just going to go undefeated every year, that's one of the top traits to have. But yeah. the biggest part about us winning is that Texas also lost to TCU. So once again, our Big 12 championship destiny is right back in our hands. And arguably, knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood. It we have the easiest path because it's West Virginia and KU. But, you know, outside of that, the last note that we have before we get into the general game day recap, Felix was held as he is every game. But for the first time in seemingly four games, it was actually called. Yeah, finally. And I mean, the for the most part, they were double teaming him single blocker with a chip. Uh, even getting close to triple teaming at times on Felix. They finally called a hold. It was super, super obvious, but they finally called it at long last. I was so happy for him. That's probably been pretty frustrating, but he was still playing pretty well, getting kind of close at times, got a few pressures in. But yeah, uh, Felix still trying to add to the sack count for this year. He's been stuck at seven and a half for a little bit, but uh, we'll see if maybe he can get into double digits before the end of the year because he, if nothing else, is good at getting uh, chunk uh, performances where he gets two or three sacks in a game. Yeah. So now we can go into the general game day recap. And the first one that everyone's going to talk about, don't worry, we'll cover the second part of this question later. And that is Will Howard came in and as he's done pretty much every time he's came in, he played exceptionally well. I believe his stats will obviously we'll go into this a little bit more, but he had 196 yards, three touchdowns, including one of the best throws that it seems like every single time will has stepped into the game this year. He's had one of the most ridiculous throws I've seen, not only from him, but from a K-State quarterback. He literally just mailbox throws <laughs> a touchdown to Senate. Like, Will last year doesn't make that throw. And I know that's the like, it's like the standard go back, but like, not only is it legitimately true, it's also like, oh, wow, really? (laughs) Yeah, that that was an absolutely fantastic throw. And it took a, a lot goes into a throw like that, because I mean, you can't just stand there and make a throw like that like you have to do a lot pre-snap you have to recognize where you're going with the ball you have to diagnose the fact that they're running a coverage that allows for you to even attempt something as crazy as what will tried and then you also have to look off the safety to give you enough room to even make the throw and then after that it becomes pure talent and he showcased that he has a really good arm and put the ball in quite literally the only spot that he could put and made maybe the best throw of the year for um, a K-State quarterback, which I mean, the only other contenders are other throws from Will. I'm thinking yeah. maybe maybe the fourth down throw to Cade against Oklahoma yeah. State. Fourth down but, throw to Cade. The, if you're going to give Adrian one, it's the Cade fade in the yeah. 
Tulane game. Two was that Tulane? That was Tulane, yeah. Oh wow. Because that, that was the frustrating part of that game was because we were like, he can throw it downfield. Why is he not? That's right. <laughs> that's less than two months ago. That's where we were at. Or it was about two months ago, I guess. That's where we were at was, was we were still like, why is Adrian not going downfield? And now we're here. Would you have believed me if I told you that we just be Baylor 31 to three with uh, Will Howard playing the entire game? Wouldn't have believed you. I would have called you a crazy person. Yeah, and and if we had just two weeks prior be Oklahoma State, top ten Oklahoma State, thirty eight or forty eight to zero with Will Howard, pretty incredible stuff uh, he's been doing this year. Yeah, you got next. Yeah, Ben Sennett game bottom text. <laughs> yeah, I... he he was just fantastic. I'll, I'll let you say a little bit, Ace. I mean, I, I spoke for a while about Will. So there, there's not much to say. Ben Sinnott just had one of the most ridiculous games that a K State tight end has ever had. It, certainly one of the most dominant, because yeah. not only did he catch the mailbox throw from from Will Howard, he also just straight up mossed a guy. And yeah. there are many talents that I thought Ben Sinnott could have. Like, I thought, you know, he's a pretty solid tight end. He's a pretty co- solid contested catch guy when it's a like a bodying situation. I did not think that Ben Sinnott had the capacity to just straight up embarrass someone. Like, much less a defensive back. But lo and behold, he just decides, you are my son. Sit down. Yeah, he he is six foot four, 250, but... I swear sometimes when he makes an incredible um, athletic contested catch like that, he he really does look like a wide receiver when stuff like that happens. But he's still strong enough and big enough to block and do it really effectively. So he is this is the weapon that I think we've been waiting for because the coaching staff has over the past like couple years um, since Ben Sennett's been here. They've talked a lot about how they think he he can really be an NFL guy at some point. And last year, he didn't really produce all that much. Uh, he had two catches for 15 yards and then three rushes for 12 yards last year and like a touchdown that we literally gifted to him like on yeah. a platter. And this year, he is having an absolutely fantastic season. Um, and we've he's only been getting more involved, it feels like. I mean, the... OU game, obviously he was great, but the last uh, two games, he has really been involved. He had seven catches, which is by far the best in his career. I don't want to get too much into his, his stats, I guess, but he was he was phenomenal. Uh, he, he did more than I ever expected to see from him this year. Yeah. The last two are just kind of one sentence. You know, the defense was awesome. Who would have guessed we only gave up three points, and there wasn't a single group that did poorly again. You look at the score and that makes sense. So now we're going to go into individual stats. I believed I covered defense last week, so I can take offense this week. Uh, in terms of passing, Will Howard led the team in passing. He was 19 for 27, 196 yards of the air, three touchdowns with a long of 23. I believe his PFF had him at like, what was it, an 86.3 like adjusted completion percentage. <laughs> Um, ridiculous it was about that yes he he had a really really good it was 86.4 so 86.4. I, okay so basically yes but yeah <laughs> he 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 was absolutely fantastic um in in that regard and most and the reason his adjusted completion percentage is so high is not even because it drops it's just because a lot of his incompletions were throwaways yep like he didn't really have many just misses like, like he was throwing an accurate catchable ball most of the time, like eight and a half times out of 10. He yep. was throwing a catchable ball. Ridiculous. Then Adrian, before he got hurt, he was seven of eight, 25 yards, only got sacked once. Rushing yards, Deuce Vaughn went for 25 for 106, long of 18, no touchdowns. DJ Giddens was 13 for 58, one touchdown. Someone reminded him that he was good and he just bullied people. <laughs> 
Yeah, later down the stretch in that game, it almost seemed like he like flipped a switch late. And it's like Brian Anderson just had to like pull him aside and be like, you know, DJ, you're you're bigger and faster and stronger than like everybody, right? And he was like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And he just went over somebody. Yeah. Like, and then yeah, they went out and did exactly what he, uh, a guy of his stature should be doing, um, which is just making people look silly. Yeah. Then Philip Brooks had one rush for 16 yards. Will had two for six, and Adrian had three for a net of negative two, including the quarterback sneak that unfortunately knocked him out of the game. In terms of receiving, Ben Sinnott led the team in receiving with seven receptions, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Deuce had the most receptions. He was eight for 50 on with one touchdown. Cade Warner, four for 26. Malik, three for 18. Phil, two for 17. DJ, one for 11. And then RJ, RJ, good job, RJ Garcia, <laughs> one for 10. It was actually really impressive. Really impressive run after catch as well. But that's yeah, the he, offense. Yeah, he showcased some really great speed on that. I was happy to see RJ. Uh, get a little bit of involvement and while he didn't show up on the uh um box score um Jaden Jackson to get um a non-insignificant amount of snaps uh because he was in like the first quarter as I recall so he's somebody that maybe down the stretch we might see a little bit more um I'd imagine they were planning to use him a little bit more against Baylor but then Benson was doing Benson things and it just became unnecessary at that point yeah. um but I I don't know. Shout out to Ben Sinnott. First two touchdown receiving touchdowns of his career. Um, putting him over well over 200 yards now, 271 on the season. Far, far, far and away his best year uh, catching the ball. Um, Deuce Vaughn having another great receiving season. I mean, I uh, the receivers didn't have like statistically like fantastic days, um, but they were fine. Granted, uh, Cade and Malik were probably playing a little bit hurt. Based off of last, based off of last week, um, the Cade particularly his 17 yard catch is long catch. That was a really fantastic play, yeah. um, by Cade. He uh, caught the ball for initially like a four or five yard gain, and like just stiff armed a guy into the ground, and ended up getting like 17 out of it. Which yeah. that's very quietly been a core part of Cade Warner's uh, receiving Existence. game. <laughs> Yeah, he he simply refuses to go down and gets more yards and grinds out more yards than most people would um, yeah. <laughs> in his situations because he he just tries harder and like and credit to him for that. Um, last thing I want to mention about offensive stats, actually second to last, uh, Deuce Vaughn. He's the third player now in KSA history to rush for um, a thousand yards in two seasons. Uh, joining Daniel Thomas and Darren Sproles. So uh, good company for Deuce Vaughn. Um, and then last, I want to mention, I want to talk, I want to brag about Will Howard more because um, he has just been incredible. He's been the story of the year for the team. Um, through three games this year, he has thrown for nine touchdowns and one interception for reference in 2020 and 2021, he played in 14 games combined and had nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So it's taken him just three games to equal his previous 14 combined for touchdowns while throwing an interception, uh, taking that number down from 11 to one. And that one was a garbage time interception. So it's safe to say the man has improved and he's here. And he is not relinquishing the reins, I think, at this point. Like, we'll, which that's we'll a talk broader about that later. <laughs> that's a broader discussion to have. So I don't want to spoil that too much. But yeah, I just I noticed that last night when I was going through uh his uh season stats. But now we can get to the defensive stats. Um not as exciting, honestly, on the defensive side. Like like not a lot of havoc this week. I mean, the, with a few exceptions, but um, a lot of the importance on the defensive side of the ball doesn't show up on the stat sheet this week. That's not to say the, def- the defense wasn't great because they were. Um, but Austin Moore, uh, he finishes with eight tackles leading the way. Daniel Green gets six tackles, uh, all of them solo. Uh, fantastic 
great day for Daniel Green. His best game of the year, probably, I'd say, at least in terms of his impact. Um, Josh Hayes, five tackles and then a pass breakup on a fourth down early in the game. And then Drake Cheatham, five tackles as well. And then an interception late where he kind of ran around for like five seconds, not really knowing what to do. And just took a knee. It's a little I think he was killing clock. I think he was he, killing he, clock. He, he, it was funny to just watch him kill clock because there was like five minutes left in the game. <laughs> it, it, it didn't really matter, but it was funny. Um, yeah. Kobe Savage had three tackles and an early interception off of a deflected ball. Um, he did leave the game fairly late with an injury. Kleiman was alluding to it not looking great, which I'm not going to speculate too much on that because I truly just didn't see what, what happened other than it looked like a lower body thing. So. Yeah. We'll probably hear more on that on Tuesday and Kleiman's uh, media availability, but hopefully he is okay. Um, TJ Smith uh, had three tackles and relief for Kobe Savage. Julius Burns had three tackles as well, as did Echo Boy Doe. Um, and Echo played pretty well, but he did get a little bit injured as well. He gave up probably the biggest pass play of the day for Baylor, but it required him being literally injured on the play. Yeah, like he tried to come to pull a hammy yeah. like he was Brent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tried to like come off the field because he was hurt, but they didn't have enough time. So he just had to play the snap while injured. And it's like, there's not much that he can do there. So I don't hold that against him. And also his brother tweeted that he was going to be playing. Um, yeah. So Echo, not an injury worry in the long term. We have it from his brother, who's apparently a doctor. So doubly yeah. good source. So... Khalid Duke had two tackles and a tackle for loss. Actually, the only TFL of the day uh, for the defense. Although they did have a few tackles like right at the line of scrimmage that were almost TFLs. Um, They don't count, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, Nick Allen had two tackles. Eli Huggins had two tackles, a couple really good run stops. Uh, Sincere Mason, Jacob Parrish, and Thomas Helton all had tackles. Tom Helton, I believe, had one on special teams, as I recall. Um, I think he was the one who had the really big uh tackle on kick coverage um because he was originally a wide receiver and moved to linebacker uh because that was excellent excellent kick coverage from k-state on on that play so uh kudos to tom helton who i think it was i might be giving kudos to the wrong guy here but i'm imagining it was him um brendan mott had one tackle and then a pretty key pass breakup where he just kind of got his arm up and was able to just break up a a pass while he was getting pressure on Blake Shapin. Uh, Felix Nidike Uzama had one tackle and then Nate Matlick had a tackle as well. So that is really all the defensive stats. Um, I'll, I'll go and look at Ty Zentner as well. He had two punts for 71 yards, um, both inside the 20, a long of 48. So good on you, Ty Zentner. Way to, way to go, buddy. Um, good, he also good, made job, field goal. good job. He had a, uh, a field goal then he had six kickoffs five of them were touchbacks and the one that was not a touchback the guy got tackled literally like the 10 yard line and then he and was then four, the four on and then <laughs> yeah yeah and everything else was a touchback um so good job good job ty um good job legatron but i don't know any like overarching thoughts about uh the defensive from like at least a tangentially related to the statistics standpoint not that I not that we're probably not going to touch on in a in game day grades. So fair enough. Speaking of, that's the next segment, which is the game day grade segment, where we go through every single position, including coordinators, give them a grade from F to A plus. F meaning they nearly single handedly lost us the game, and A plus meaning they nearly single handedly won us the game or had a near perfect performance. Let's start off with the quarterbacks and. This is the time of the year that every single time, well, I think every single time that we've done this with Will and people could reasonably accuse us of bias. I think they're wrong, but there's no exception this week. Will Howard came in, played nearly perfect in relief. Like you could argue, oh, he should have been picked off once. Well, the thing is, is that whenever people see a nap defender, which is they don't know where the ball is, their back is to the quarterback. That's almost always a smart throw. Like that's that shouldn't be considered a turnover worthy throw because 
if the defender doesn't know where the ball is, they can't exactly pick it off. Now, can they? So I, that's a throw that like, I know people complained about, but it's, it was the same way with K's like, Oh, that should have been picked off. No, he's called a nap defender. You don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> are you just to clarify that the wheel the, deuce. the wheel deuce. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought you're talking about. And he also didn't get a chance to step into it. So yeah, there, there was pressure coming uh, on that play. So I don't hold that one against him. And I, I feel like at that point you're getting picky, which I mean, honestly, at that point, at that point, you kind of have to get picky, honestly, yeah. with with Will's performance. So if you're going to criticize anything, I guess it has to be the like little stuff, uh, because I mean, like broad strokes, he was fantastic. So, yeah, I gave him an A plus. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I did, too. Um, <laughs> he he was really, really good. Um, and yeah, like it's fair to like look at us and say we're biased honestly because we we have been will howard champions for the entirety of this podcast um so if you want to like call us biased like i i I simply can't stop you i i would say though that objectively he is having a fantastic season um and we'll talk about it later i guess (laughs) but he i mean nine touchdowns to one pick um his qb rating 167.8 on the year i know qb ratings are kind of a not particularly fantastic stat, but I mean, Will PFF had a 77 grade, 77.1 pass, actually had a positive rushing play as well. Um, basically, when we give him a straight line to run in, he's actually like pretty serviceable yeah, <laughs> running the just... ball. But the second he has to move like laterally at all, like it's over. Yeah. But I mean, regardless, it says a lot that his PFF grade this year for passing specifically. Like 2020, it was at 56.1. 2021, 48.1. This year, 79.4. Like, that's not an accident. Like, that's because the it's a combination of Will Howard finally figuring it out and him having a system that really works with him and adapts to his needs. But A-plus for Will Howard, we could talk about him all day long. I mean, he, he made plenty of great throws. When he needed to throw it away, he identified that and did it. Um, ASAP and, it did, and he did not panic I think was a big thing and when he wasn't throwing it away we had the check down available because we adjusted that with the corner blitz we said if you're going to blitz a corner and free up the flat we're just going to let Deuce go and put Devin Lemire on an island <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of Devin Lemire for that because it That's truly could have happened to anybody yeah like, that really could have happened to anybody like, but, I don't think there's a defender in the Big 12 conference that makes that tackle there so I not. yeah like, like I sorry Devin like <laughs> like truly could have happened to anybody. That's probably not consolation for you, but like, I mean, he, he commanded the offense with, uh, an unbelievable amount of maturity. And well, he was like a, a composer out there with like the, the way he made everything just work. Like adjusted completion percentage. Yeah. Like that's technically not what it actually was, but what, when it takes away the, the throwaways, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I don't think he had a turnover-worthy throw. I know PFF disagrees. I think they're stupid sometimes, but yeah. it is what it is. So, A-plus for my man, Wheel Howard, big <laughs> Willie Howitzer. He, Bill the Butcher. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to the inevitable tough discussion we have to have about the quarterback position. So, yeah. I, I am, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it will. But next is the running back room. Again, there's not much to say. Deuce was Deuce. He put Devin Lemire on on skates. Shame. Sorry, Devin Lemire. That really could have happened to anybody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But DJ even had an excellent game himself. Like, I didn't, wasn't it last week that you and I said, it's like DJ needs to be reminded that he's good. And then once he figures that out, he'll be great. And lo and behold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had his most carries on the year. Um, most yards on the year. Had another touchdown as well. Um, had a reception on a, a very smooth play. Um, I, I remember that play specifically. Ultimately didn't amount to a ton. It was like an 11 yard catch, but it was a really good throw and a really confident route by DJ. And that's a back that we haven't really seen catch the ball much. So it was good to see that. Yeah. Uh, a plus for the running backs, by the way. Yeah, same for me. A plus Deuce Vaughn was great. Um, and he ran the ball very well. Um, 
could have been a little more efficient, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about that. I mean, he, he saw it a hundred yards on the day, uh, had eight catches for 50 yards I and mean, he touched the ball, uh, 33 times and had, uh, 156 yards and a touchdown. So I would be silly to complain about that. So I'm not going to, um, Deuce Vaughn had a, a really, really great day. DJ Giddens, um, in relief. Um, he played a lot more than we've seen, like Ace talked about. Um, we could speculate about why that is. I don't particularly care because he looked really good. He spelled deuce. I think that's what we should be doing uh, with DJ Giddens. I, I like the amount of touches he got because it proved that Deuce Vaughn can get like the lion's share of the uh, um, offensive carries and offensive touches while still getting DJ Giddens double-digit touches. So uh, granted, that required running almost 80 plays yeah. which we won't do every game but i i really really liked uh that we made a concerted effort to get dj Giddens the ball more and this puts him at 300 yards on the season he's averaging 5.7 a carry um and again his statistics were fine uh this game i mean for backup running back standards they were pretty good um but four and a half yards a carry solid and especially the last drive it feels like dj Giddens really has been impressive on game ceiling drives mm-hmm. uh, like Iowa state, I think about, um, and then, uh, this game as well. Um, just putting away the game. I feel like he's been really good. So a plus again for the running backs. Yeah. Next room is the wide receiver room. I ended up giving them an a minus because they did well enough. I, I, that you could argue that they could have separated a little bit better, especially in those plays where Will was scrambling around, hoping for someone to get open and then threw it away. But there are two reasons I ended up giving them an A minus. The touches that they did get were genuinely meaningful, especially the Cade Warner catch. And also uh, no one else got below an A this week. And I get sentimental when it's only one group that would bring down the grades. So... (laughs) You can take your you can take a guess at which one was more impactful there. I'm not gonna tell you. Maybe you can read between the lines, but yeah, A minus. Yeah, I normally I think in the past I've actually bumped them to get all A's for the uh um groups, but I didn't today. Um I gave them a B, and that's not even because they were particularly bad. It's just because they didn't really do a lot because not a lot was asked of them. I mean, receiving-wise, we had we had a great day throwing the ball, but that was because Benson and Deuce Vaughn were really, really good. Uh, running the ball, we did well, but only one receiver carry, which granted was a good carry, is to Philip Brooks on a uh, jet sweep. Um, but I gave them a B. They didn't have any drops. Um, they didn't have any like fantastic plays, save for the Cade Warner uh, stiff arm run around and do good things play um and that was really good malik only had three catches for 18 yards so he was fine philip brooks he had a a pretty nice i think like a third down catch at one point where he like really had to reach for it that was pretty good um then rj had a nice catch late um which so they they had a solid day but it, it wasn't it wasn't an incredible day or anything they they didn't really do anything wrong it was just they could have done more right but even still i wouldn't have really changed the game plan like to get them more involved that would have been it, it wouldn't have been necessary so yeah they get a b this week but there's not much that they really could have realistically done to uh uh to get a better grade yeah next up is tight ends fullbacks and we call this the ben Sinnott game they get an a plus we already went over why yeah this is an obvious a plus ben Sinnott, two touchdowns I mean, come on, like one of the touchdowns was Will Howard being great. The other one was a combination of Will Howard and Benson it being great. I mean, Ben going up and making a great catch in the only place that the ball could have been placed where I mean, I will put that in a spot that only Ben can make that catch. And that was fantastic. And I've said fantastic a lot this episode, but um, it fits. It fits, though, like um, Benson, it carrying the day for the uh, tight ends fullbacks uh sammy wheeler um didn't really do a whole lot didn't really need to so i'm not gonna complain at all about that but benson have a day yeah 
Next up is the offensive line. They ended up only giving up one single sack and against a a defensive line that you know I thought was was quite stout, especially I was worried about Siaki Ika. And I will hear no arguments that I shouldn't have been. I will hear no arguments that I shouldn't have been. But all things considered, we played against him very, very well. We weren't giving up much instant pressure. And even when there was pressure, Will was able to escape it because there was always at least one escape route. And that's one of the biggest things to measure an offensive line by is their ability to have one point of failure without the entire line collapsing at once. Because if you have one point of failure per play, the quarterback pretty easily most of the time can avoid it, especially if it's a solid QB. But in the running game, they were pretty good, you know, pretty solid all around. I ended up giving them another A+, just because of how consistent they were. And also the fact that I... I'm not going to lie to you. I thought they were going to get washed by Siaki Ika and they didn't. So. Yeah, that's fair. They had like maybe one play where Ika like really blew them up, but I think we all knew that was going to happen. Um, at least like a play where he blew them up and it actually like mattered. Um, but for the most part, they really did really well. Hadley Panzer, at least according to PFF had a fantastic day pass blocking. Cooper BB was great in the run block. Um, they gave up like nine pressures and a few hurries, only one sack, like Ace said, and that was to Adrian Martinez. It was really early. They were really, really good. They, I mean, giving up only one sack um, and then having the day that we had offensively, how they get an A. Yeah. So next up is the defensive line room. And I, I, they, we only had one TFL. And the thing that I took away from the defensive line room is that they were assignment sound in the running game, which is likely all they were asked to be. But the exact same time, I wanted them to get pressure a lot more because there were times that Blake Shapin was just sort of being chilling in, in the pocket. He was just sitting there like, all right, he has all day to throw. Can we get a little bit of pressure? And I know a lot of it was sending three, dropping eight, making sure that there were no easy throws for Blake Shapin to make. I still ended up giving them an A- minus because they were that good in the running game and playing assignment sound, which again, against this offense, yeah, you have to be. They were probably training all weeks like, all right, this is how you play the outside zone running game. Coach, this will probably damage our pass rush a little bit. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> so I a minus. Yeah, I gave him an A minus too. And you know, again, they didn't have a lot of havoc plays this week, but still, yeah, like you said, they played really Simon Sound uh for the most part in the rushing game. Uh they gave up a few like chunk plays, but most of them were pretty early. And a lot of that can be placed uh on the uh, shoulders of the offense just getting ahead early and forcing Baylor to do something that they aren't, which is uh be good at playing from behind yeah. um and the defensive line really did well for the most part yeah i would have liked to see a sack they had a couple opportunities to get home but they weren't quite able to do it um brendan mott had a really nice day with that pass deflection Khalid duke had the one tackle for loss on the day and that was a really really athletic play so yeah they have an a minus for me um no reason to hang their head on that just the only thing they can change there is just by more um, splash plays in production, which again yeah. is not really what they were asked to do. No, not this week. Next up were the linebackers. And this was, again, it was another group that played ridiculously assignment sound football. And against this defense, they weren't really ever going to have those ridiculously splash plays. At the exact same time, the linebackers seemingly were always there when we needed them to be. And for that, I ended up giving them an A plus just because, you know, they were that consistent force to the defensive line stayed in their gaps and made sure that no one got up to them. And the linebackers were always there to clean up. Yeah. Linebackers. I mean, Daniel green was a enforcer uh, and what looked like his healthiest game in a while, at least based on how he played he, he just looked a lot more comfortable. Um, I, I really liked what we saw from Daniel Green. 
Um, PFF didn't for some reason, um, but I don't really care because my yeah. eyeballs told me otherwise. They they can say whatever they want, and I I'm sure there's valid reasons for it. But Daniel Green looked really good. Um, I felt uh, and getting to the run on a few occasions, uh, specifically, I remember he had like a pretty big hit on the second or third down and short ish. Um, he he was really good and looked really comfortable, really energetic. Jake Clifton played 12 snaps and was good as well. Austin Moore in particular had at least one really impactful open field tackle of Blake Shapin. Granted, Blake Shapin is not the most athletic guy in the world, but it is always hard to make open field tackles when you're the only guy out on an island and the offensive player has all the leverage. So uh, really, really good play from Austin Moore, which at this point we're well used to it. I give him an A+. Yeah. Next up are the defensive backs, and I'm not going to put Echo. Echo, you should have been hurt. Why did you give up that long? No. They get an A+. Kobe Savage, before he got hurt, was excellent. Drake Cheatham got his first interception on the year. Finally! <laughs> I Drake Cheatham has not played poorly. In fact, he's played quite well, but he has the defensive back problem of the one snap that he gets thrown at. He looks really bad, but that's every defensive back. <laughs> but Drake Cheatham got his first pick on the year. Julius Brents again, erased one half of the field every single time he was in. Jacob Parrish once again came in to make me look like an idiot <laughs> because, of course, he did. But the defensive backs all around were amazing. If you wanted to be in, if you wanted to nitpick a little bit, you could say TJ Smith in relief for Kobe Savage still isn't that great in coverage. TJ is what he is at this point, and I'm not going to hold that against the entire team. They get an A+. Yeah, I gave him an A+, too. I'm holding Baylor to almost under 200 yards passing. It was 203 um, on 38 attempts um, at that. Uh, really impressive stuff. Um, and really only had one series where they were getting gashed uh, in the past game. And one of those plays was because Echo was injured. So... He, he just wasn't able to get off the field in time for a sub. So I I don't hold that against them at all. Uh, they they were really, really good um, and played the level of game that we expect from them. And they also tackled pretty well, too. Um, Julius Brands had some nice tackles. Uh, TJ Smith, again, uh, while he does have limitations in coverage, he's a really good tackler. Um, Jacob Parrish continues to be impressive as a true freshman. Um, I... I've been very happy uh, with how the defensive back room perf- performed uh, against Baylor. So an A plus. Yeah. Next up is Colin Klein. And once again, Colin Klein answers the bell as a first year offensive coordinator. And even putting that qualifier on it, I feel like is a disservice for this game in particular, because like, this is an A plus game. Like this game could have been, coached by someone who's been the offensive coordinator at K-State for the past like six or seven years, it still would have been an A-plus performance. Like, there's something about, this is going to step on the toes of a point later, but there's something about the offense when Colin Klein calls it for one quarterback over the other that it just seems to click more. Hmm. I wonder what he's getting. Anyway, I, I don't know what I'm getting at either. I just say words sometimes. You, you really just be saying things, and then <laughs> words come out. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Were you done? Yeah, I was done. Okay. Yeah, I have Colin Klein A plus as well. Uh, he called an excellent game. Uh, his, his calls with Will Howard in the game. He's clearly more creative. Uh, it feels like at times. Um, and I, I really, really liked what he was doing. And the saddest part is I think maybe his best time play call, uh, didn't amount to anything, which was a a fake QB power play action. And I think he had a guy, yeah, he had a guy, um, but the pressure got there just a little too quick. And so he had to throw it away. And I was so sad when that happened. I was like, oh yes, 
I, I love when Colin, Colin Klein's been pulling out the counter punches the last few games, and I have really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, and he was I was with the wrong dude for the QB power counter punches, though. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved, uh, I loved that play call. Um, I, I loved his adjustment to the heavy, heavy, heavy dose of cornerback blitz from Baylor. Um, I it was probably the second most cornerback blitz I've seen since the Dolphins against Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and, um, they, and he adjusted and just said, all right, if you're going to do that, we're just going to throw to where you left. <laughs> and yeah. I'll just get it to deuce in the flat and let him do deuce things. Uh, Colin Klein was excellent. A plus for me. Yep. Next up is the Clanny man. Defense gave up three points. A plus. Yeah. As <laughs> uh, simple as that. Um, a plus for the defense. Joe Klanderman. He had a fantastic day. Uh, also, maybe the best fourth down team in the conference. Oh, three in this game. <laughs> Uh, no. Granted, one of those was a, just a really bad decision by Dave Aranda to go for it on like his own 20. But you know what? Klanerman just calls like what he can uh, with the play in front of him. So, and then also Baylor 4 of 12 on third down this game. So, really good. Side note K State in this game, 8 of 13 on third down offensively, 1 of 2 on fourth down. The one that we didn't get was like on the first drive, and it was Adrian Martinez getting sacked. So, yeah. Uh, a lot better on the late down efficiency. I mean, just eviscerating Baylor in that uh, late down efficiency. Uh, so really, really nice stuff there. And also 30 first downs compared to 17 for Baylor. Um, really good, really, really, really good stuff there. And of course, time of possession, 37 minutes, 37 seconds for K-State, 22 minutes, 23 seconds for Baylor. You're not going to win many games with that uh, possession split. No. No, you're not. So next up, that that's game day grades. Next up is answering the pregame questions. We always do these pretty quickly. Uh, who seizes the early momentum? Arguably on the fourth down, you could have said Baylor. <laughs> they didn't do anything with it, though. They so. didn't do anything with it. And then we took the early momentum. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a tough way to go. 13 plays. Uh, six and a half minutes and turnover on downs and Baylor throws the pick and then we go 12 plays 97 yards uh, in five minutes and get the touchdown and that was pretty backbreaking for Baylor yeah uh does uh, Klein oh wait never mind I forgot you do it as well stepping on my toes here man <laughs> not the toesies <laughs> we aren't even talking about JT day oh jeez <laughs> you're gonna be doing this all week yup <laughs> He might not even play. I don't care. <laughs> Does Colin JT Klein... stands for just toes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Does Colin Klein deal well with a complex defense? Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> that, that was pretty obvious. I feel like we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Can the interior O-line handle Ika well? Yes. Better than I anticipated. He's Ika still got his on occasion, but I expected that. So I, I'd say overall, a win for the interior line. Yep. Does the offensive line cut down on the pre-snap penalties? I think they did entirely, didn't they? I believe so. We had four penalties for 23 yards. I don't remember there being a false. I think we might have had one false start, but I think we did. I think we did. I think it might have been Duffy, maybe. Uh, that would make sense. I, I can't recall, but um, it, it was a... Uh, at the very least, we didn't really notice. So, yeah. there's that. Yep. Uh, how does K-State defense play against the outside zone slash boot scheme? It was actually very interesting because we had our entire defensive line go to the boot, to the outside zone side, and then we just picked one player per play, and their entire responsibility was murder Blake Shaven. <laughs> so they went away from the boot scheme real quick. Honestly, that's what we did last year. <laughs> and with uh, Daniel Green. Um, yeah, the difference is that instead of like, picking a random player last year, we just said Daniel Green, sick him. Like, yeah. And it worked really well because Daniel Green ended up having like 12 tackles or something in that game. But Yeah. Um, can K-State get penetration against probably the best offensive line that we've seen this year? Not really. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't particularly, but it didn't really matter because I think that we expected that to happen. And 
we just played assignment sound football and just didn't didn't worry about getting penetration we just said let's just prevent them from getting much yeah can the defensive backs contain an athletic albeit inconsistent receiving unit yes other than when echo literally was injured mid-game yeah 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 Yeah, we could um does deuce vaughn break through baylor for 100 plus yards for the third time he did yep 150 total so i believe that's his third time getting 150 as well this year no not this year i think no because i think in 2020 he only had like 120 against baylor Mm. are you talking total yards yeah um well i can check (laughs) he had yeah about 120 he had 121 you're very close Yeah, Deuce got 100 plus, which sort of leads us into the MVP segment where we take the offensive and defensive MVPs. Who would have guessed? On offense, it's got to be Will, doesn't it? It has to be. I'm maybe Sinnott. I I feel like, oh man, I'm going to go. It could be Sinnott, it could be Will, and it could be Deuce. There are three great choices. We've said a lot of Deuce Vaughn and a lot of Will this year. I'm going to say Vincent. I and I, I can't argue with that pick. I'm going to go with Will, but I can't none of those options pick. are none of those are bad options at all. Mm-mm. Normally, we've had that issue on the defensive side of the ball this year, so it's nice that we finally have some controversy on the offensive side. But yeah, I can't go wrong with any of those guys. I'm just going with Ben. Because, I mean, he had the game of his life, had two touchdowns, but Will having three touchdowns, coming in relief again and having the game that he did. Um, really, really great stuff from Will Howard. Can't go wrong with that. Yep. Next up is defensive MVPs. You can go first for this one. Um, This is kind of a, a tough one, but I'm going to go with Daniel Green and probably the best game he's played since Tulane, maybe. Um. And he he was really good. He looked healthy. Um, and I, I loved what we saw from him. He was extremely aggressive and trying to take people's heads off. So I, I got to roll with Daniel Green here for defensive MVP. I'm going to roll with Austin Moore, just leading the team in tackles. Fair enough. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Now, finally, the takeaways. Well, let's uh, let's start with the first one. This is easy. We're in control of our own destiny again. We went out. We go to Arlington, and like we said earlier, we arguably have the easiest path because I believe Texas plays KU and then Baylor. Baylor plays Texas and then they play TCU. Oh yeah, they play TCU this week and then Texas. Yeah, so Baylor's not making it. <laughs> Yeah, Baylor, thanks for playing. Um, could have happened to anybody. Truly, I mean that. Um, but they they will be trying their best. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma State, I think they're technically still in it. It would require us to completely collapse. But it would require both us and Texas to completely collapse for them to get in. Which I don't think will happen. So we are... We have the simplest path in that it is win out and we're in. And that's a great feeling. Yeah. And we can drop our game next week if Texas or if uh, KU wins uh, this upcoming week, which I'd rather we just went out. Yeah, I'd rather we went out. Like, that is a much simpler path than having to rely on others, Um, especially because the main thing we needed to happen already happened. So it's very simple from this point win two games and you are in. Uh, which is nice. I'd rather we had never lost control of our destiny, but we are in a much better spot right now than we were a week ago. Absolutely. So we need to beat beat West Virginia, who is coming off of a gutsy win over OU. And then the following week, we need to take care of business in the Sunflower Showdown. By the way, that OU-West Virginia game sucked. <laughs> yeah, I like t- was paying attention, like, kind of. And I was like, wow, this, this game is not very fun. Uh, Garrett Green just kind of running like a chicken with his head cut off was uh, an interesting watch at best. Yeah. 
and that's not generous but yeah all right elephant in the room time to talk about it all right william howard he has to be the guy i think i mean we on this podcast have been not necessarily like singing the praises of adrian but we've kind of been of the general opinion that he gives us the best shot to win and while we've been very happy with will's performance we've been hesitant to say will should be the guy will has now either come in relief or started in relief three games this year and all three times that that's happened the offense has been much smoother for a majority of the game uh i mean because we have what the 10 point loss to what is a likely college football playoff team at this point in time. Yeah. Um, until we beat them in the Big 12 championship. <laughs> until we beat them in the Big 12 title. Um, a bludgeoning of Oklahoma State, even if they're battered, 48 0 is still ridiculous. Um, and then a bludgeoning of a fully healthy, a fully armed and operational Baylor squad. So, I mean, I think at this point, and it really, really sucks because I I don't want to take the keys from Adrian because I I wanted this to be Adrian's redemption story. But at the end of the day, we're kind of getting two different redemption stories because Adrian kind of has had his. He had the OU game and proved that he belonged. Um, and now Will's kind of going through his and is re-winning the uh, fan base and he's the future the position for next year i mean at this point next year is his job to lose and i mean will like again it sucks because you don't want to take the job from adrian but on the other hand he when will howard has been the quarterback undeniably the offense has just clicked at a different level and you that there's a point that you reach where you just you can't deny that anymore and I'm sure the coaching staff is going to try and be very coy about it throughout the week, which they should, and say, oh, well, it's a game time decision, probably. And I uh, maybe that's true, but I, I feel like Will just has to be the obvious pick here. I mean, he looked so good, so cool, calm and collected against Baylor. He looked unbelievable against Oklahoma State, and he stepped in against TCU and looked so great. I mean, Will has to be the guy because if he hasn't earned it at this point, what does he have to do? Yeah, I... It... We've always loved Will Howard on this show. We always have. We've we've probably been his biggest supporters that aren't actually on the coaching staff or involved with the football team in general. That being said, this doesn't make it any easier to, because in a way there is a degree of sentimentality to it. Cause I, we've gone through this entire year. Okay. This is Adrian's team. This is Adrian's team. We have to get behind Adrian Martinez. We have to, to give our emotional energy to Adrian Martinez. And he's largely been worth it. Like, this is not a situation where Adrian Martinez has played poorly. That would make this decision infinitely easier. Adrian Martinez has actually played quite well throughout the entirety of this season, except for, you know, the first non-conference games, which I still, that'll be an anomaly to talk about way down the line. But I think that, by almost every objective measurement and nearly every subjective measurement, Will Howard almost has to be the guy to operate this offense for the rest of the year. I know he wants to save his red shirt. I know that that is something that Will himself has wanted to do. I also think Will understands. I think that Will is first and foremost a team player because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be here right now. If he wasn't a team player, he wouldn't have ever agreed to sit behind Adrian, especially after getting starting experience. But I, I I feel for Adrian. I think that Will is objectively the better choice to start at quarterback for the rest of the year because everything on the offense, and I do mean just about everything, except for maybe the quarterback running game, 
seems to work better and more fluently with Will under center. Yeah. And something unquantifiable is that we get luckier with Will under center. Like there are times that, you know, I sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. It, that's how Stetson Bennett's had a career. That's how Stetson <laughs> Bennett and, and arguably Tom Brady have had a career. They've both had careers of being, it's better to be lucky than it is to be good. And Will, after not getting any breaks his first two years, has recently come across a streak where he not only he's playing well, he's playing confidently, he's getting those, you know, coin flip breaks he's finding those nap defenders that somehow would have gained a psychic ability in 2020 to turn around and catch the ball i will has to be the guy going forward and if he is announced to not be i feel like it is the wrong decision i will still support whoever starts at quarterback because we don't that's the last thing that this fan base needs is to attack whoever the starting quarterback is. But Will almost has to be the guy going forward. Yeah, I, I I really don't think that there's a logical reason to not make Will the starter at this point. And I'm glad you brought up the red shirt thing because I the staff wants it, Will wants it, but I just I don't think that's something that you can worry about at this point. I mean, I he gives K-State the best shot possible to not just win, but convincingly win the last two games of this season. And we I I hope we convincingly win because I I, I want us to to dominate these last two games and not just squeak by, make it to Arlington and just be happy to be there. I want us to dominate and build momentum heading into the Big 12 title game. And I think Will gives k-state and the offense the best chance of doing that even if that means maybe using adrian martinez situationally i mean he's obviously the better runner but can still throw so i mean like maybe there's a a reality where adrian comes in and plays like a snap or two or something i don't want to like like, a a wildcat qb yeah i don't want to delve into the weeds on that and start a whole nother controversy from the (laughs) one we're already talking about i don't have the energy for that right now but i i am Firmly of the belief that at this point, the red shirt for Will is just probably not happening. And which is a shame. That's an absolute shame. It could have happened to anybody. anybody. But Will, he he is too good to redshirt, I think. I don't think that you can afford to redshirt Will. And yeah, he'll be a senior next year, which is crazy to say. He's going to Will Howard is going to be a senior next year. He will have a COVID year and a redshirt year available. But, I mean, he's going to be a senior next year when Avery Johnson is uh, waiting in the wings. And we need Will Howard to teach Avery Johnson the playbook in the same way that he got Adrian up to speed this year. I mean, Will Howard is so important for this team in more ways than just his performance on the field, his intelligence and his leadership. um, And everything about him is so vital to the success of this team. And I think he is, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't call this Adrian Martinez losing the job. Will Howard has 100% earned the job. I'd say at this point, like this is not like a diss on Adrian. I mean, this is truly Will Howard has 100% fully earned the starting job for K state for the rest of the season. And I can't think of somebody that deserves it more than he does because he had, like, like you said, he, he could have left um, after his true freshman season when the whole fan base was against him after 2021, when people just like laughed off the possibility of him ever being good. And now he's leading this team to um, offensive highs that we haven't seen for a little while. I mean, I guess the LSU bowl game last year, but beyond that, I mean, Will Howard has made this offense click in a way that we haven't seen for a bit. He uh, is he is making this offense look better aesthetically, perform better statistically, 
and just generally be more efficient. And I mean, he is the kind of the driver behind that because his decision-making and the way he sees the field and his processing has taken cosmic leaps this past season, as well as him getting into a much more friendly system for his talents. So yeah, he, that, that's, that's another 45 minute discussion. That That is a whole off season episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, so we're we're not going to even touch Ace. You could probably do that by yourself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I, I don't know. I've been monologuing about Will for a little while here, so I'll, I'll let you get your your piece in. Like I said, I there's no one who deserves it more. Like you said, there's no one who deserves it more. It's just unfortunate that you know, for someone, unfortunately, has to lose, and it, it's not a loss because you were bad it's not a loss because Adrian's a bad quarterback. And there are people out there who are saying like, Oh, if Will starts the entire year, we, we have a perfect season. No, <laughs> I disagree. Uh, yeah. No, Mm-mm. I will say, I do think we beat Tulane. I think Texas becomes a coin flip. And then uh, I don't think we beat OU. Um, I think we be, I don't know if we beat TC, maybe. Um, I don't think we beat OU. Uh, no, we don't beat with, you with Will, and I don't think have... I, I don't think Will gives us a better shot against Texas. Um, I, maybe I don't know. I I'd be interested. At, like like if you could rewind time and start Will instead, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Um, but I uh, yeah yeah Will Will Will's earned the job at this point, and I will be I won't be upset if Adrian's the guy. But I'm going to be monumentally disappointed. I think probably the best way to put it because I get the staff has a feeling of loyalty to Adrian and they want him to have a storybook ending, but I just don't know if that's possible at this point with how Will's been playing and Adrian can still have a fantastic ending to his career. Um, just it, it might not be in the way that he may be envisioned. Um, yeah. But uh, luckily everything behind the scenes seems to indicate that there's like not ill will or anything no. like that. that pun was not intended. I, swear. I know, I know. <laughs> the puns are my thing. Yeah, but I don't know. A wise man once said it was possible to commit no errors and still lose. So I, I think that's the both Adrian is in because Will has just overtaken him as a player, which ma- makes me very happy to say um, as a Will fan, I never expected to say it. I do feel bad um, because I was really hoping Adrian would have like a fantastic like Heisman season or whatever Cinderella year yeah that's what that's what I wanted but you know what I'm gonna take Will Howard coming out absolutely nowhere from the top row and just like absolutely suplexing like every team that he faces but yeah I don't know there we could probably even touch on even more about uh Will Howard but I think the the best way to encapsulate what we're saying right now is that Will Howard in the opinion of the Aguil Alley Cats should start for the rest of the year yeah and the last thing that I'll say about it is for Adrian, sometimes your ride into the sunset doesn't have a beautiful end credits. Sometimes it's just a fade to black. It is what it is. It is what it is. But next up is if we play a game like we did against Baylor, we just smoke everyone. And if that sounds familiar, that's exactly what we said against Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, two games to go, and if Will Howard and the defense, uh, if they decide to uh, come out and play in the same way, I say decide. If they do perform the same way, like, <laughs> it's a de- it's a decision. By yeah, it's an the active, game time decision is actually if Will uh, decides have to, to be goaded or not. <laughs> but, yeah, if if they do play to that same level, I mean, West Virginia and KU should be good games for this K-State team but still has to show up still have to perform at a high level and West Virginia is a very dangerous team because they're a team that is backed into a corner right now the head coach is backed into a corner by extension an entire staff that's backed into a corner probably a lot of players that Neil Brown recruited that are relying on him getting bowl eligible and keeping his job so uh, we'll we'll see how that goes um, and KU um, they're at the point as a program where every single game you're getting KU's best shot because they haven't felt success like this in so long that they they want to just destroy everyone. So 
Yeah. The last little point. Well, actually, no, that's it. Do you have any? <laughs> you have anything else to put a bow on this game? We talked a lot about the future in this episode, but um, the Wildcats played an outstanding game against Baylor. Um, I was really, really happy uh, with how he performed overall. Um, held Baylor really well. Pretty much every unit on the team, including special teams, did really good things. Um, and then I loved how he performed on third down uh, and fourth down. Um, and got to hope for more of the same next week in another big road game. Yep. Speaking of next week is up against the West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown, which is so it's a, it's a nerve wracking game for several reasons, but none the least of which is like you said, it is a team that is backed into a corner and has absolutely no margin for error if they want to go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Also, is it a weird time? It's a one p.m. It's also a one p.m. Plus. game. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll get the. Uh, day of release we'll get the KU uh kick time or at the very least we'll we'll learn if we're getting the kick time so yeah yeah that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast thank you all so much for listening if you want to follow or contact the show you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats that's capital A capital A capital C and cats if you want to email us we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com if you want to follow us on a more personal note I am at AC Edwards 00. I am at Connor Bounces or capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as the staff approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.